Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, we've been talking about God and God is reality. And whether we acknowledge God or not, he's here. And there's no way for us, so to speak, to hide from God. But there is this concept that's often discussed of what's called hester panim, that God will hide his face from us. And often this is used in the context of when tragedies go on or really painful experiences happen. We talk about this idea of God is, so to speak, hiding his face, especially, let's say, during history, when certain challenging times are happening and people will say, where is God? And I really think it's very important for me, myself, and I'm sure many others, to try to understand what does it mean, so to speak, that God is hiding his face from us when we can't we can't hide from God. So what does it mean that sometimes God hides from us? Excellent. Well, let's start at the beginning. Creation, according to the Kabbalah, is through God, so to speak, hiding himself. The uh, metaphor used is we are to God like a ray of light is to the sun, but in the sun. And the ray of light that's in the sun has really no existence because it's overwhelmed by the presence of the sun. So what the sun would have to do is, let's call it, put sunglasses on the ray of light and the ray of light emerges into existence. In other words, we can't exist if the full truth of God were manifest. We would just be obliterated by his light. Just like at night you see the stars, but in the day you don't see the stars. But the stars are just as much in the sky in the day and the night. But in the daytime, the sun's light is obliterating the stars and they disappear. They have no presence. But at night, when the sun's light is diminished and is reflected by the and only reflected by the moon, then the stars come out, even though the stars were there all the time. So the very hiding of God's face, so to speak, is essential so that we can emerge into existence. Otherwise, we would be overwhelmed. Uh, The idea of God hiding his face also as some kind of um, response to our inappropriate behavior and what allows for tragedy to happen is because what's going on now is we need to up our game and making choices for good. And uh, the, the more presence, the more God's presence is obvious, the less free choice we have. You know, it's like uh, if your father asks you to do something and he stands right in front of you and says, now, you don't really have much of a choice there. You're going to do it. If your father says, uh, I'll be back in a week and get this done, uh, there's more freedom experienced of doing it if I want to do it, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. So the, the, the idea of God hiding his face is creating opportunity for us to take more ownership of our story and step up to the plate in terms of stepping up our choices. And so um, it's, um, it's always and only in the interest of us coming into existence and us actualizing our potential. Hmm. You know, I, it's a very different way for me to think about this, and it does make a lot of sense. But on the flip side, I'd almost think when we're making wrong choices, going down the wrong path, isn't that when we need to seek God even more? almost to get re-inspired to start making better choices instead of it almost creates more of an opportunity to continue to go around the go down the wrong path because it seems like where is God? Well, maybe God's not really here. 
yeah, no, I, I, I totally hear your point. But on the flip side of it, uh, in order to facilitate an opportunity for us to make the most bold choices, then having God's presence less obvious is forcing us to take responsibility. And it's true, we could, we could not take responsibility. We, we might go the other way. But the idea here is to give us the opportunity to, to really boldly choose what's right. And, and uh, especially when we have every reason or every opportunity to confuse ourselves or convince ourselves that, well, there really isn't any God. Well, so that becomes a, a big opportunity for a huge choice to choose to believe even when it's not so obvious to believe. Hmm. You know, it's interesting because the holiday of Purim is coming up. And one of the interesting points about it is, is that it's one of those holidays where we'd say there weren't any open miracles. And yet a lot of miracles happened for our salvation. Whereas, let's say, contrast that to Pesach, Passover, where there were these great open revelations of God. It's very right. interesting. So how does that all tie into this concept of, I can imagine, the big revelation of God with the Passover miracles. That was God completely showing his face, so to speak. And when there's these more like you could explain it according to nature, it's not as simple to say it was a miracle. Um, that's more God's there, but you have to really choose to see it. Uh, that's I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that up because the Passover story is not the greatest revelation of God's truth because it appears as if God must contend with man, and and He is not Almighty. He, 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 he's stronger than man, but nonetheless, the fact that he even has to contend with man and, 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 and put him down and wrestle with him is uh, not very complimentary to the almightiness of God, whereby the Purim story is actually a much greater revelation of God's truth by virtue of his hiddenness in, in an ironic way, that God's presence is not obvious at all. In fact, the name of God is not mentioned in the entire story of the Megillah to Esther. And yet, and what we see is people making choices, and we see absolutely no intervention from above. We see God not intervening, God not, you know, no plagues, nothing. And the mystery is how Haman makes choices, and every choice he makes is ultimately leading to his own demise and enabling the revival of the Jewish people, and he did that. That's a much greater manifestation of God's almightiness. I'm so almighty. I'm so in control. I don't even have to get in your way because no matter what you choose to do will serve my purposes. And, um, and that's the same thing Mordechai says to Esther when he, he wants to convince her to, to approach the king, even though she hasn't been invited, which is a dangerous thing to do. And he says to her, listen, if you don't do this, then the Jewish people will be saved in some other way, which is not a very convincing argument. But that's really the point. The point is God is present, omnipresent. We have free choice. The fact that his omnipresence is hidden is what enables us to have free choice. But the fact that he is nonetheless still omnipresent means that whatever free choice we make, it will always serve his purpose. Hmm. You know, it's very interesting because I'm thinking even for someone like myself who at my core believes in God and God's existence and God's involved in the world. And yet I feel like every believer also has times where they do struggle 
we struggle really sensing, you know, we still question our, we have solid in our beliefs and still have questions. And if I think about it, anytime there's a question, it's these times of what are called hester panim, where it's just hard to see where is God in this picture. And that's when the struggle comes in. And yet at the same time, what you're explaining is, is that those opportunities are what really give me the opportunity to say, I really do believe in God because it isn't so easy to see it. Whereas when it's much easier for me to sense God's presence, then my belief actually in certain ways, it sounds like what you're explaining is actually not as high as a level as it would be when I choose to still believe in God when I'm not completely sensing his presence in a situation. Exactly. It's it's all about making courageous choices and owning it. When you choose to believe, even though right now you don't feel like believing, even right now you don't have obvious signs to you know hang your belief on, but you nonetheless have decided that believing in God is the most reasonable truth. And I'm going to choose to live my life according to that belief. And uh, that's in Kabbalah, choice and belief are associated because the, the real ultimate choice in our lives is what we choose to believe. You know, we've, I'm sure we've shared this before. The, the, the believer can't prove there's a God. And the, and the non-believer can't prove there isn't a God. I think the believer has a better case than the non-believer, but nonetheless, neither one can conclusively prove there's a God. So ultimately, we have to make a choice. Now, we're not flipping a coin because that's not a choice. We have to make a responsible choice, a reasonable choice, the choice that makes the most sense. But we have to, we have to understand that in the end, it's not a conclusion. It's not math. It's not two plus two equals four. It's a choice that I'm making. And, uh, and, and, and you have to make a choice that you can live with. And what choice do you think is going to be in the best interest of you and, and, and the world? So, um, yeah, it, it isn't about, you know, if God wanted us to believe, he could just simply show his face completely and we'd all be robots. You know, my, you know one of my teachers said, imagine, David, if, if we were able to spike the water of the country with some kind of drug that within 12 hours, everybody would be under our hypnotic, you know, uh, suggestion. And then we take over the radio stations and at nine o'clock in the morning, we begin to command everybody what to do. And they all say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because they're now under some hypnotic trance because of some potion that we've, uh, we've, we've, we've given them. Would that be a success? You know, they're doing good and they're doing what they're being told to do. No, it wouldn't be a success because they didn't choose to do it. And we're here to make choices. We're here to make bold, courageous choices. And um, and so so th that's the name of the game. The name of the game is choice. And there's always a risk in a choice, a calculated risk and not an insane risk, but nonetheless a risk. It's like when you get married, it's. It's not conclusive. A person can say, I know this is my soulmate, but you can't prove it. And you're making a, an incredible choice. You're choosing to believe that this is your soulmate. You're choosing to believe and commit that we're going to make this marriage work. And it's a choice. Hmm. But what's so important about this concept of hysteropenim within that choice is it's almost like a two-sided coin. On the one hand, hysteropenim, when God seems more hidden, it's harder to make that choice. On the other hand, the harder it is to make that choice, the more significant that choice is. Exactly. So it's, it's actually almost a, a weird kind of way, a good thing 
when it's not as clear because then our choice actually means a lot more. Well, think about it in terms of love. When do we demonstrate love the most, like the, the, the depth and the power of love? When all the conditions are in favor of our love or when there are conditions that are challenging our love? When it's called unconditional love, when do we have an opportunity to demonstrate unconditional love? Only when the conditions are at, at, you know, challenging our love, but we choose to love nonetheless. That's an incredible act of love. Hmm. So going back to when you talk about the stars exist, whether we see them or not, and yet it's against the dark sky that they shine even brighter. I'm, I'm going back to thinking about that powerful example. And it, would we say, so to speak, God is the light and it's almost within the context of darkness that enables godliness to shine even brighter, even though in certain ways we almost think it's the opposite when bad things happen or it seems like there's dark times that you'd think it's harder to find God. And yet in that example, the, the lights can't shine without context of a dark sky. In the darkness, it's harder to see God, but it's easier to show God through you. Uh, because if in the darkness you choose good anyways, wow, that's a very rich demonstration of commitment to good. And so, you know, so the stars shine when it's darker. You know, it's interesting during the time that the Jews were in the desert, they were they were quite rebellious. It, it's, 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 it's really very disturbing to see how they're behaving because they've got all these miracles surrounding them. You would think that in the presence of the obvious omnipresence of God, they would be, you know, they would be disciplined and, and good little boys and girls, but they're not. They are rebelling all the time. And that's because something inside them is demanding presence and they're being overwhelmed by the presence of God with all these miracles. And so it's like a parent, you know, kids act up when their parents are too present in their life because the kid feels that their sense of self is being comp uh, compromised or maybe even confiscated because I'm overshadowed by my dad or my mom. Um, but when the Jewish people get to the land of Israel, no more miracles or no more miracles like the ones they experienced for 40 years in the desert. And that's when the presence of man begins to eclipse the presence of God. But the, 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 the God, so to speak, diminishing his light and repressing his obvious presence is what enables mankind to take forefront and start you know, actualizing their potential. Hmm. You know, it's so interesting because when you talked about darkness and in darkness, it's harder to see God, but it's easier to show God through you. I am thinking that it is through those times of Hester Panim where it's harder to sense God in the situation. But then when you see an individual person or people acting in a godly way, we feel so inspired. And in a sense, that is then what you're saying is how we sense God within those dark times is it's through the people who act with a sense of godliness through challenging times and experiences. I, I think what you just said is so beautiful because in the dark times, it's hard to see God, but it's hard, but it's easier to reveal God through us. Mm. And I guess the point then would be if there weren't dark times, then we wouldn't have that opportunity to reveal God through us. There would be no need for it. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, this is such an enlightening I'll use the term yeah, I conversation on this topic because uh, I have to digest everything you're sharing. But usually I would think that this concept of hester panim is something we wouldn't want. 
Don't we all want to have more of a revelation of God godliness, which on the one hand, yes, but there is actually the way you're explaining it, a real opportunity that exists within dark times that doesn't exist when the lights are on, so to speak in God, we sense God's presence more clearly. Yes, because it says that God has a desire to be in this world and how is God going to get into this world through us? And so when the transcendence of God is too overwhelmingly obvious, then the imminence of God is dwarfed. But when the transcendence of God is hidden, then the God within us is now able to be more revealed and more present. Hmm. And so in a sense, that really comes down to a certain partnership that when God pulls back, as you were explaining, the parent analogy is a good one. It actually gives us more space to reveal godliness in this world. Whereas when God's presence is more revealed, there in a certain sense is less of a of a function of what we're here to be doing in this world of revealing God's presence because God's doing it himself. He doesn't need us, so to speak, to be doing it. Yeah. You know, it reminds me when I was teaching my son how to walk. He's a little, little, you know, he's a little baby and I prop him up against the wall and, and then I move away from him. And he looks at me like, what, what are you doing? Are you, how can you do this to me? I say, come to me, come to me. And from his point of view, I'm moving away from him. And that's in, in some way I'm hurting him or I don't love him. When I fact, in fact, the show of my true love for him is I have to pull away from him and create a space so he can step into his life. Hmm. And that really is the opportunity that God is giving us when his presence, so to speak, is hidden. Well, I want to thank you, Rabbi, because this has really been, again, I have to let the process, I'm sure, for a lot of us. But it really changes the whole perspective, under, understanding that even in God, so to speak, Hester Panim, when God is hiding, it's actually the ultimate revelation of godliness in this world. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us.
by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.